You were made to be free, my friends. So don't use your freedom to care only about yourselves, but in love, care for one another. For everything we've ever been taught about our faith is summed up in this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you are fighting with one another, take care that you don't become consumed by that and lose sight of what matters. I'm going to continue to invite us into the theme that we've been sitting with today, thinking about uh, all of us, this theme that we're sitting with this fall, and what it means that center to who God is, is that God is the God who loves everyone. Now, if you were in the traditional service last week, I will give you fair warning that you can run for the door if you want, because you're going to hear a version of that reflection today, because part of what we're trying to do is to have um, those who are sharing be in each of the services. So as a whole community, all of us are on the same page. I like when I think I'm really witty, and then I like look at you often, Jeff, and I'm like, that was funny. No, it doesn't work that way, I guess. Um, so anyway, so we're flopping back and forth. And uh, that way, all of us will be able to hear. And, um, and then that way, for us as ministers, too, we're getting to sit with stuff in each, each of the spaces. So on this idea of what sums up our faith and that God uh, calls us to be a people who love the neighbor, I was thinking a little bit about one of my favorite authors. Audre Lorde was a poet and an activist. And one of her pieces is entitled Uses of Anger. Some of you may have encountered it before. You can find the PDF online if you'd like to read it. In this piece, Audre Lorde was at a conference that was populated dominantly by white women. Audre Lorde was a black woman and was also queer. And in this, she was challenging and inviting the women that she was with to think about uh, her own story and about how we show up in the world to be human together. She starts off the piece, she says, the natural response to racism is anger. The natural response to racism is anger. And in the piece, she talks about how it's not anger against injustice that is making us harm one another, but it's hatred. Hatred of the other, hatred of someone who's different than us, that is the thing that actually makes us um, go to war, to harm each other. But anger flares up as a response to the places where we ourselves are being harmed, where we see that harm happening with others, where we're like, no, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. In that piece, she invites and challenges her white sisters, and she says, basically, listen, like, go do your own work. <laughs> My job isn't to do your work for you. And if I be, me being angry makes you uncomfortable, like, then lean into that and figure out what's going on. And then she says, meet me in the land where we can all be human together. Because, like, I don't want there to be racism. I actually just want to be in a relationship. Like, I want us all to be who we are. And she has this oft-quoted line that says, I am not free as long as anyone is not free, right? I am not free as long as anyone is not free. And in many ways, although I don't think Audre Lorde was using Galatians as the text of inspiration for her, her piece that she spoke, 
there's this resonance with some of what's happening in this text in Galatians. Galatians is being written to a community who is wrestling precisely with what do we do about difference? Does everyone have to be just like Sarah? This is, again, Paul didn't care about that, but for my sake. Does everyone have to be like Sarah in order to be the right kind of Christian? Dear Lord, I hope not, <laughs> right? They're wrestling with as a community. Do you have to be Jewish? Do you have to follow all the cultural norms and practices that are part of being Jewish? Or did we get to come as who we are as people from diverse cultures and communities? And some folks, not surprisingly, were like, eh, I'd prefer we don't do it that way. Can't we just be the same? And into that space, Paul writes this letter and says, actually, we were meant to be free. We were meant to be a people who worship God as who we are. And then in that space to love one another, right? So as Aaron read for us, in the midst of this text, it starts off talking about freedom. So I wanted to pause there for just a minute because it says, you were made to be free, my friends. So don't use your freedom to care only about yourself, but in love, care for one another. You were meant to be free. Don't use that just for yourself. Thinking about that made me think about uh, Martin Luther. And back in 1520, when he wrote his piece, Freedom of the Christian. And in that, he was actually responding to Galatians. <laughs> he talked about how the Christian is actually a free person. Like, because of Christ, we're people who are free. Free to be who we are, free to love, free to live, etc. But then he says, the Christian is actually the servant of everyone. And so in that way, our freedom is never supposed to be about ourselves. As we know love, right? Love isn't something you just hoard and then like, I'm so loved, now I get to be a jerk to everyone, right? Same thing with freedom. Freedom isn't something that's just for us, but it becomes a thing that transforms how we're supposed to live. And it actually does that naturally if we're really feeling free, right? Maybe you've experienced this. Uh, a stereotype that I've heard said about um, women before, maybe none of you have heard this, is that we are catty. Anyone ever heard that? <laughs> no, I've never heard that. Elgin's like, Elgin, well, maybe no one said it to you, but I've heard it a lot. Like, when you get women in leadership together, like, they're catty, or like, why are those girls being so mean, okay? I have a whole set of philosophy about this, and it has to do with socialization, scarce resources, inequality, the patriarchy in general. So if you want to talk to me later, we can talk more about that. Um, but here's the deal, what I know. When I was 20 years old and I was at a Jennifer Knapp concert, Jennifer Knapp was up on the stage playing her guitar and singing, and I hated her. Because I was at a point in my life where I believed that God didn't want me to be myself. And I needed to learn how to be the right kind of female, namely one who was quiet and didn't like talking in front of people and was not at all like Jennifer Knapp. And I was so mad because if I had to shut up, why didn't she, right? And I had enough self-awareness to realize that there was something going on there, right? But as I have been able to live more into my own skin and being who God's made me to be, it doesn't make me smaller. It makes me more open. It makes me more joyful about when I see other people rocking being who they are. 
And like, this is the best thing ever, right? God's love isn't pie, right? There's not only so many pieces. You've heard sayings like this, right? There is infinite love. And as we know it for ourselves, we get to open up and share that. And although that's not exactly what Luther maybe had in mind, it kind of is, because that's the vision of Galatians. Likewise, Simone de Beauvoir, a philosopher, wrote about freedom and wrote that freedom isn't free if I'm free to do whatever I want, right? If my freedom means I can just come up and be like, hey, purple hair. <laughs> you want to fight? <laughs> a great response, right? If I'm like that, my freedom doesn't mean I just come and be a jerk to you, right? My freedom doesn't mean I can do whatever I want to you because then you're not free. Freedom is always done in the midst of relationship and that's the ambiguity, that's the complexity, that's the tension is that freedom isn't free if I'm just free to do whatever I want. Freedom always has to happen in dance and relationship with the neighbor. Am I committed to your freedom? Then I get more free, right? That's the vision of Galatians and the call to love our neighbor. Now, the reality is that as humans, for a lot of reasons, we're not always so good at this neighbor love and freedom thing. We carry our own wounds, our own stories, We've been taught that, in fact, there isn't enough for all of us. I'm one of those people who, as I look at history, I think being honest about history, being honest about our families, as hard and as awful as that can be sometimes, it's actually the only way for us to like, become more human together. So when I look at church history and the moments when I know we've lost sight of the call of the gospel, I want us to be honest about those moments when the church participated in crusades, when the church even today thinks it's our job to be the judge and jury of everyone. That's, that's not our job. We lose sight of the gospel. We lose sight of that our call is to love the neighbor as we ourselves have been loved. You know, the Bible says a couple things about loving your neighbor. Just a couple. Uh, here's page one of 10 of some references from the Bible, okay? We're not doing all 10 pages. Okay. Mark 12, 31. The second commandment is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourselves. Referencing back to Leviticus 19, 18, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Seems important. Matthew 7, 12. So whatever you would wish others would do to you, do also for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Romans 13, 8 through 10, owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. James 2, 8, you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole of the law and the gospels is summed up in this, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Galatians here reminds us of the same thing. For everything you've been taught about our faith is summed up in this command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. This sums it up. And yet sometimes we lose sight of that. We're like, well, okay, but like, who do we love? Like, 
are we really sure that we're supposed to love everyone? And I mean, I don't think they think the right thing or they're doing the right thing. You know, like we've killed each other over how we understand communion and baptism. <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself seems to have been forgotten in that. But this truly is again and again what the Bible tells us. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. In some ways, the easiest and the easiest that to try to forget. I was thinking about this invitation and challenge a couple weeks ago when Andy and I were watching the latest version of A League of Their Own. Anyone watch the new series, A League of Their Own, on TV? I highly recommend. It is on Amazon Prime, just in case you want to watch it. Some of you may have heard of A League of Their Own from the 1992 film version. Anyone seen that? Okay, that, that seems like it's gotten a little bit more play. We've had a, what, like a lot of years between now and then. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so A League of Their Own follows the story of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League that was started in 1943 in the midst of morale being really low in the U.S. because of World War II. And at the time, as so many of the men were being sent overseas to fight, they said, okay, what can we do? All-American pastime baseball, let's get people to be happy, to know that there's hope and a future. We'll get the girls out and they'll play some baseball, right? And in the classic telling of it with Gina Davis and Tom Hanks and Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell, O'Donnell um, they, they tell this story. Now, what I love about the latest version of this tale is that it, the women in it are allowed to be a little bit more complex than they were in the 1992 version, which makes sense. It's also a series. And it shows the stories of these players. It deals with issues of racism, issues of sexuality, issues of just like being human and what they're struggling with. A little spoiler alert, there is a scene in episode six in which there had been a bar where queer people were finding safety and freedom to be who they were. And it gets busted. And people get beaten. And Andy and I end the episode that's the very end and I just start weeping. Because I know that why that bar got shut down is because there were Christians who believed that what was happening there was sinful. And I'm like, I don't care what you think theologically about baptism, communion, human sexuality, gender, like, we may have differing thoughts about a lot of things. But what's clear in every instance throughout the New Testament and the story of the Gospels, it's supposed to be good news. Good news for everyone, and that our call is not to be the judge and jury about anything but to love. To provide space to ensure that our neighbors are seen and cared for. That everyone is safe and has air to breathe. Now, I know for me that sometimes in the midst of my own very strong opinions about any number of things, because I clearly have no strong opinions about anything, yeah. <laughs> um, that I tend to be a little bit of a crusader about things sometimes. I get really fiery about things that I think aren't fair. I get really mad when I think people are harming other people and I want to be a defender of them. 
so I resonate with it. You want to go at it? Like, right? I, I, I've been that way basically my whole life and have tried to not be at different points. And so it was in the midst of some of my own grief about actually our own wrestling with name change, about who is God calling us to be as a church, about what's the call of Christ in our time. And I was just feeling undone about it. And I didn't know what to do. And my response in that is to want to go for the like sword, right? I'm like, come on, let's go. Let's like, let's do. And this song came to me that we've sung in here before. Some of you may remember it. Some of you've never heard it. Um, But it goes like this. Give me doubt so I can see my neighbor as myself. Give me doubt so I can lay all my weapons on the ground. When the armor of God is too heavy for peace, give me doubt. Give me doubt. And in that moment, I felt God's tenderness. Reminding me that my job isn't to crusade, even if I think I'm justified. My job and our job is always to join God in love. Not that that doesn't mean we don't show up for one another. Not that that doesn't mean that there aren't actions we take in the world. But any time I lose sight that my call is love, then I forget the challenge and invitation not only of the gospel, which I do lose sight of then, but even as Audrey reminded that the call for me as a Christian is to say, join me. Let's be human together. Like grace is enough for all of us. Like, yeah, I've failed at being a good neighbor too. But I want to try. And that is part of our invitation, I believe, is for us in the words of Galatians to join in caring about freedom that's not just for ourselves, but to let ourselves be loved to let a little bit more tenderness in and kindness and compassion towards ourselves so we can love our neighbors as ourselves. Because sometimes, as Galatians reminds us, otherwise we end up fighting with one another and we lose sight of what matters. Paul and Galatians reminded us that our faith is summed up in this command, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And it's my prayer that we keep wrestling together with what it means to be that kind of a people where our neighbors know that we love them and they know that the God who is the God of all of us truly loves all of us.